0: Welcome to the Carpenter Queens Podcast, your favorite queer, stoner, horror podcast, the show dedicated to the best and worst the genre has to offer. Coming to you from the TCQ Video Store, the only fictional VHS Soul. the only fictional VHS rental spa where you can pick up the classics for only 69 cents a day. I'm starring in the new Wes Carpenter flick, A Nightmare in the Last House on the Left on Halloween. My name is Raymond. (laughs) Oh, shit. Wrong one. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Wow, we're starting this episode off great.
1: I'm still trying to make fetch happen. My name is Nick.
0: (laughs) And we are concluding our final film in our third time's the charm month. Are there any trilogy films or a specific third film that you love? Harry Potter Harry Potter I understand
1: how we all feel about J.K. Rowling I understand those sentiments too she's dumpster fire however Prisoner of Azkaban is the best Harry Potter movie period point blank let's fight about it if you want to It, like, ups the ante. It gets really dark. Everybody starts becoming, like, teens and stuff. Hermione punches somebody. It's amazing. Oh, is that
0: the one where she punches Draco?
1: As she should. Correct.
0: That's a good one. I I wasn't expecting Harry Potter. That was was a good one. Pull out your back pocket.
1: Oh, I came prepared. Yeah, yeah, I came prepared. Uh,
0: I would have to choose... Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It's such a departure from <gasps> Ooh, the original that's... source material and such like a red-headed stepchild. I'd love to root for the underdog. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's favorite. A, that's, yeah, that's a
1: great choice. If you want to hear us talk about it, please go back to season two where we talk about Season of the Witch.
0: I believe it's the Tom Atkins mustache ride. There he goes. Like, I almost called him Tom Sabini. Hop aboard. But speaking of filth, we would all love for you to leave a comment and rate the podcast. If you love what you hear, hit the subscribe button or follow wherever you are streaming, please. Our Recommended Rentals are our weekly staff pick, a film we
1: either love, love to hate, or love to make fun of. You've never seen the film? Rent it from our store and come back for all the deets about it. This week for our Recommended Rental, we venture into the dreamscape once again to talk one of the best villains in horror. Time to load up on caffeine, take shifts to keep each other awake, and beware of Kruger. This week's Recommended Rental is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors.
2: Dream Warriors.
1: And now, our feature presentation. This wonderful 80s gem is available to stream on what else, everybody? HBO Max. If you haven't gotten
0: a subscription by now, if you've listened to us, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, about. we say episode after every episode. HBO Max. It's got the bangers on there. Y'all better sign up while you still can, while we still have access <laughs> to these movies, because who knows what's going to happen in a few months.
1: Oh my God! Seriously, I've been keeping my eye on it, and it's it, I'm worried to even look. Look, talk about an implosion. Talking, speaking of imploding, let's head on over to our favorite segment. 420, what you smoking? What did you smoke in honor of Croaker this week?
0: in honor freddy's return and decided to go with an indica to be sleepy and i went with uh rainbow driver because you know it's queer it's rainbow why not Ooh, i love the name it sounds like a mario
1: Kart like track
0: (laughs) i know right what's the land rainbow road rainbow road yes Um, but it was good. It was a really good sativa. I was super... Friendships are broken there. I was super stony baloney when watching this. I almost felt like Patricia Arquette in this movie, walking around in a haze. Just all it dazed? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What about you, what craft cartridge did you smoke this week?
2: Shade.
1: Rude. I also had. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm over here trying to get a sponsorship from Kraft, and you're like F- that bitch. Um, <laughs> I smoked banana kush because I already yes. worked today and I needed to chill out, and banana kush always chills me out. Uh, but I also did pair it with an edible. It was a homemade gummy edible. Unfortunately, the gummy animals are like all different sizes and all different milligrams throughout. So sometimes I game a Russian roulette. Girl, sometimes I'll eat a whole handful, I don't feel anything. And at a different time, I'm like, oh, I'll just have like this one piece and I'm done. I've laid too. out for the day. So we'll see where this episode takes us. (laughs) Uh, But while we're smoking up some HypnoCell, what did you first... Uh, Can you smoke up HypnoCell? Can you crush it? Yeah,
0: you could probably, like, grind the pills and mash it into some applesauce. (laughs) (laughs) When did you first watch this movie? Uh, That's a great question. I think as a teenager, when I started Mm -hmm. to do the deep dive, you know, like every horror geek does... And so I was finally dipping my toes into the cool lake of Elm Street. <laughs> yes. You're so first st- dipping my uh, cool lake toes in the reference of the You season. know what?
1: I'll give you, I'll give you praise. You waited three episodes to bring out uh, <laughs> dipping your tools in to- tools, <laughs> your toes into the lake joke. Everybody, I really I fuck. I should have kept a counter. I should have kept a counter of how many times I didn't. <laughs>
0: Um what were we talking about? <laughs>
2: oh
1: <my God. laughs> wow.
0: Sorry everybody. <laughs> oh, my first interaction with this movie. Wow. So I had already seen they're on Street, though, the OG of course mm-hmm. and then obviously that piqued my interest and I had to do a deep dive I don't really remember how I came to watch these I just remember them kind of being they, in my memory com- yeah Um, and how cheesy they got towards the end but this is and we'll get into it this is kind of like a really good Mix of like camp and horror before it leans too much into the camp and just goes off the rails and then and it's not even scary anymore. Uh so this is like the last, in my opinion, before it gets crazy, the last in the installment of it really playing with the stereotype of Freddy and him having fun in these one-liners and these actually, this is like where it's established, these zingers. Um But I, I don't know, it's just always been cognizant. I didn't answer your question, but that's all I got for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you answered it fabulously.
1: I know the exact time that I watched this movie. I know exactly where I was. God, one of us does. Seriously. One of us has still got to keep up their memory, okay? Listen, it was all the trauma. I blocked a lot of shit out. It's all the hypnosil. we? <laughs>
2: we? 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 weed. weed, 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 weed. I-
1: i remember renting this movie of course from the library i don't really have to state otherwise uh but it was a the, of the summer that we first <laughs> seriously it was the summer that we first moved to a new base i didn't really know anybody uh and i just decided to venture into the nightmare series uh, first one of course absolutely and then i went in order surprisingly enough the second one i didn't know how gay it was until my second time of watch gay. the first time I watch i was like sure this is a movie However, this third movie holds a very significant little space in my heart. This is my favorite nightmare movie, so I guess you can tell where this is going to go. But from that moment on, after watching this movie, I adore it and I can't wait to talk about this movie to me extremely queer in its depiction of found family and queers and uh minorities and i love that i love that this movie does it and i don't think they knew that they did that so it's really this is a really good one and i'm really excited to talk about it because this is peak 80s deliciousness it is still on the verge of camp mm-hmm. right after this movie it's all downhill for for freddy okay everybody but this is when Freddy really reached pop culture and he became a culture phenomenon. Pop culture. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So let's <laughs> check out the VHS's special features and find out who made and who starred in this movie. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, released February 27, 1987, with a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes. It is rated a beautiful, delicious R, and our taglines.
0: Freddy's jacks around the corner. If you think you'll get out alive, you must be dreaming.
2: If you think you're ready for Freddy,
0: think again. I like the second one. If we think we you think you'll get out alive, you um, must be dreaming. Perfect tie this whole dream horror thing we got going on. Other two, eh, pretty weak. Well, I just have to state... I think that the...
1: But you know what? I'll save it. I'll save it because I know I'm going to keep coming back to it.
0: We to our director Chuck Russell would take the mantle as director of the third outing in the Nightmare franchise, and this would be his very first film. He would go on to direct the remake of The Blob in 1988, Woo! another classic, and even The Mask with Jim Carrey in 1994, which also has horror undertones. At, but okay, but I love both of those movies. I love the b- remake of The Blob. It's
1: so sick, and so, The Mask yeah. is. Terrifying.
2: Smoking!
1: Cameron Diaz. Oh my
0: God. <gasps> yes. Yes. Enough said. Enough said. All right. So, moving on to our script. With an original story by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner, the new screenplay would be an amalgamation of four different writers Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont, and Chuck Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like too many chefs in the kitchen, if you ask me.
1: Too many cooks too many cooks i will state yes however come on i love this it works but how many times have we also talked about a script going a thousand different which ways and it kind of works like jaws every time i think of like
0: a script that shouldn't work but does jaws not only the script bitch but the fucking production was a hot mess if y'all did not know go listen to our jaws episode where we get into the hot poopoo mess that was production on jaws it's a good episode for our cast, right off the bat, Scream Queen Icon
1: Heather F-ing Langenkamp as Nancy F-ing Thompson. I'm so excited we finally get to talk Everybody, about her. Shut up, shut up, shut up.
0: Everybody, Sh- shut every up! up. Everybody oh, calm uh. down. Clear the floor. Shut up, shut up. This is our first introduction on the pod to Nancy Thompson we are so fucking excited to have her here Honored. here with her rogue white stripe i live Ugh. i live
1: fashion okay. icon sorry, this I'm whole gonna. movie sorry everybody moving on stop it again <gasps> robert <laughs> f- as freddy f- <laughs> krueger back again racing our sword for the third Ooh. time and the Ooh. only Ooh. villain actor Ooh. to do so Ooh. on our show
0: Yes, I love I love that about Robert England. He's like, no, Freddie is mine. Nobody mm-hmm. else can do Freddie like I can do Freddy. and that's very much proven in the reboot. Um, I uh, love that. I love that Robert England is he's done every iteration of Freddie from really the has. films to the TV show spinoff. It's great. Well, it's it's his. It he makes
1: that role. He really Ooh. truly does, and it's apparent in Nightmare on Elm Street too because they replaced him for two weeks and quickly realized they made a mistake and brought him back.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Craig Wasson as Dr. Neil Gordon. Patricia Arquette as Kristen Parker. (laughs) Medium herself, everybody. Ken Sagos as Roland Kincaid. Rodney Eastman as Joey Crusell, Jennifer Rubin as Taryn White. Bradley Gregg as Philip Anderson. Ira Hayden as Will Stanton. Larry Fishburne as Max Daniels.
0: Uh, AKA uh, Morpheus. as Fishburne so fucking sexy he's mm. so hot oh my hot, god that beard and when he still had hair yum <laughs> <laughs> hey I'm not shaving the bald people I love me a bald man but I'm just saying Lawrence Fishburne with hair and the beard was very sexy to me
1: Both times I'll take it Penelope Sidro as Jennifer Caulfield John Saxon as Donald Thompson. I, listen, even at that age, he could still mm, get it for me. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Priscilla Pointer as Dr. Elizabeth Sims. Clayton Landy as Lorenzo. Brooke Bundy as Lane Parker. Nan Martin as The Nun. And special cameos by Dick Cavett himself and Saza Gabor. The Lost Pointer I guarantee, sister. no, but...
0: Yes. Yes. Hold up. Hold up. None of the records Shut up. Cut the cameras. Shut up. Dead ass. Gabor. This is my... Favorite scene from this movie. Not because I'm a big fan of Joshua Gabor. I just love the fucking scene where he's interviewed. We'll get to it. I don't want to talk about it now, but it's just one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I don't That's know why. so funny to me. I love that. Moving on to review. IMDb gave it a 6.6 6 out of 10. On Metacritic, it averaged a 49 out of 100. Our friends over at Letterboxd gave it a 3.6 out of 5 and on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 71% on the tomato meter and only a 68% audience score. How do you feel about these scores? I
1: don't understand. Is everybody on Hypnosale? Is everybody on Marijuana? On the 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 drugs? Because I don't get this. Everybody's on drugs when they're d- reviewing this movie. I just have to state, your favorite people on the planet, Roger and Ebert, had Ugh. did a review on this and they stated that they think it should have been rated x because they were <gasps> pushing this towards teens and this is the most vile thing that they've ever seen i think it was r- probably roger who said it
0: um, vile what does that mean uh an I- x
1: rating please this is the 80s y'all got Maybe away with for a the lot phallic of shit. ready
0: but other than <laughs> that this movie was very tame like there was hardly any go- i feel like the first one was way more gory than this I think you're probably right. There was some blood, but this one's way more imaginative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got ima- what you got against imagination, bitch. I'm a little shocked by these as well. I feel like after the flop that was to Alti All Shade. Um they would have been eager to eat up something different with multiple characters rather than just one main character. And hello, I they brought back Nancy. Come on. That's what they should have did for the sequel, honestly. But, you know, I think they realized they fucked up. And so they brought her back. And now we got her. I
1: disagree. I think the fact that she was gone and then she comes back is, like, gag of the century. I love it. I can't wait till we get to that part because I still get excited. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) These scores don't make sense to me, uh, especially since up against the landscape that is... The slasher genre, as much as nobody wants to admit it, these are slashers, everybody. Uh, the slasher genre during the 80s, like there was a lot of repetition. This is the slasher, somebody stalking a group of teens and then taking them down one by one.
0: I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but people um, argue that this isn't a slasher. It's a fucking slasher. Thank you very much. I stand by my statement.
1: This is a great example of what creativity, not a lot of money, and just mm. drugs. Cause I, I know everybody were on <laughs> drugs on this production. I Can mean, hello, do. Patricia Cat. Oh,
0: my. <laughs> movie done. Oh, my God. Time and place. Speaking of drugs, let's all drop some hypnosome because it's time to find out how this movie was made when we head into the behind the scenes feature. So we have a budget an estimated budget of about 4.5 million and a box office worldwide gross income of 44 million. When adjusted for inflation, that's about 114 million dollars, y'all. Are you kidding me? It's insane. That's 10 times your budget. You look at the receipts, baby. Look at the receipts. Mama, 4
1: million. They made this movie on 4 million. That blows my mind because i i know i know that sounds crazy to anybody who's like doesn't fully understand budgetary stuff when it comes to films and things 4 but that million ain't shit. that ain't shit you have to think about everything that that it costs getting these actors, making sure that they have everything that they need. And that's just the actors. We're not even talking about crew. We're not talking about building anything. Talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping, spectacular. With the unfortunate mix of a successful box office but bad reviews from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, New Line Cinema decided to dig back into its roots. Russ Craven would write the original first draft of Nightmare 3 with him and Bruce Wagner the script would be deemed just not right for the production house. There appeared to be a lot of elements involved with the script, and it was deemed too ambitious. Interesting. Um, I really like that his fingerprints came back. It's probably why we also like it, because Mm -hmm. the second film doesn't feel anything like a nightmare film.
0: No, because it dragged Freddy into the real world and out of the nightmare world, you know, it was not not Freddy.
1: (laughs) No, it really wasn't. I understand. Uh, New Line would move forward with a different director and writer, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. The script was incredibly well liked. It changed the tone to be a more playful and open up the scope of the dreamscape world. They decided to push forward, but quickly realized the budgetary constraints from such a large script. So I also want to mention, in the original script, it was a lot like darker, and Freddie was like. Samson evil dark shit more so than Freddy normally has they really Ooh. push Freddy to like a dark angry realm so that was really cool how do you feel about the script I actually do you want to pick your brain about it
0: I like the script I I think it's really it was a great idea to go to Weston Hills and find I'm really curious as to what they wrote in there that it was quote deemed too ambitious like really elaborate dream sequences really elaborate sets uh really gruesome deaths
1: because this this script is very ambitious it is very fantasy film so what was it (laughs) like like how was
0: was this the middle ground like how far-fetched was the original script
1: i really want to know i i would like to see it i want to see if i can find it if you horror heads out there can find like the original script please send it my way same New Line would move forward with a different director and writer, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. The script was incredibly well-liked. It changed the tone to be a tad more playful and opened up the scope of the dreamscape world. They decided to push forward, but quickly realized the budgetary constraints from such a large script, but with the large hook of including a fan favorite, how could New Line not take up the chance to film this beast of a project?
0: honestly like if you're gonna bring back a quote le- like the term legacy characters used a lot these days because that's what's going on with this like what are they what are we calling them Requels, reboot requels, requels. there we uh, go she uh, went down the whole fucking list <laughs> i did sorry y'all that's what's that's the new thing with these requels that have been coming out at least to bring back a legacy character we have mm-hmm. laurie strode we have nancy thompson we have what's your Her- sally from text james on massacre um, all these great legacy characters. And so if you are going to bring back Nancy fucking Thompson, you better bring back Freddy at uh, full force. Like I want to be Freddy doing Freddy. Like only Freddy can do. Say Freddy again. Freddy. Freddy. Like
1: I need some scary shit. Apparently in the original script, uh, Wes Craven did include Nancy and he asked permission from Heather Langenkamp to use Nancy in this new script. And he had to convince her to come back and do it. So glad he did. So mm-hmm. glad he did.
0: Same, same, same. And she's a great character, and to bring her back for like to skip a sequel and to come back for the third iteration was a a nice move. It was a nice ace out of your back pocket. But mm-hmm. the cast of unknown actors, horror legends on board, and a first-time director, the cast and crew of Nightmare Three were up against a tough work schedule, especially when it came to the film's special effects. For filming the new iteration, the special effects team had quite a large job ahead of them. Nightmare 3 would move more towards fantasy, thus special effects were going to play a huge part. All of the special effects would be led by the team of Peter Chesney, Kevin Yeager, and Mark Showstrom. And bitch, do the special effects in this movie pop the f- off. Forget about Phallic Freddy, who's also great. TV <laughs> Freddy. TV Freddy TV is Freddy? my absolute favorite. Favorite, favorite, favorite.
1: We get a sexy Freddy, which was going to be completely different. And I can't wait for us to talk about it. But phallic Freddy. We get TV Freddy. We get drug Freddy. That scene is so dark. Ooh, I love it. I love their work is ex- just like a- astronomical. It's amazing.
0: It's wild that this came out in the 80s because these special effects, in my opinion, still hold up. The skeletal version of the girl Kristen Hall's beginning of the movie was originally supposed to be a surreal, mechanical, lifelike corpse dummy. But it turned out the dummy was a little too good. The crew was so unnerved by the prop, they didn't film it. They replaced it with a simpler decaying skeleton. Really?
1: <laughs> Mark Shostrom had been working on that dummy for 10 weeks. And, what? Okay, so I have to tell the story because I always find it so fascinating. So, <sighs> originally, Shoshermush was, was researching uh, children at Auschwitz. Uh, <gasps> like, yeah, he was getting a lot of imagery put involved. They show a couple of pictures in the documentary Never Sleep Again, which I did uh-huh. rewatch for this no! four hours. I but I it breathes by. Is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but once he brought it to set, Chuck Russell immediately was terrified of it It was like no we cannot film that and they ended up just going to go get like a 99 cent store skeleton put some hair on it burnt it a little and called it good
2: put me down you're hurting me
0: it really shows (laughs) like it looks like they got like a dollar store skeleton and and uh, quite honestly that's exactly what it was it's probably like one of the few cheesy points in the movie like i really wish they would have just kept the really realistic me too because, I, in my opinion, it would have fit the tone of the movie because we do, like we've said already, it, this movie really walks that fine line of camp and horror. And yes. this would have just, like, edged it a little more into horror. Oh,
1: my God. The horror aspects of this movie are terrifying. And But let's move on because, holy shit, the pig scene at the beginning of the film included a real decaying pig. The crew would draw straws to see who would have to puppet this pig. And due to it being Ew. a real pig, it would begin to rot and stink up the set. Some production crew members still state that they can smell
0: the pig. Oh, why would you use a real pig? How are you gonna have all these special effects done and use a real pig? That's
1: probably why. 10 bucks It was cheaper to just buy a pig. That's true, that's true. Shoot the pig. Because that's what they did in Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel. They were like, building a fake cow carcass for you to hide in is too expensive. We're just going to buy a real carcass. Same thing.
0: And then we're going to use it for uh, crafty afterwards. <laughs> oh my God. That's
1: disgusting. But you've been <laughs> on
0: set. It gets hot. It gets smelly oh, sometimes. Yes, it gets disgusting. Like, boy, do they love filming during the summertime?
1: Summertime. And the living
0: By far the most infamous death scene in the film, the primetime death, would be done in several parts. Penelope Cedro, who would play our victim, Jennifer, would have her body hoisted into the air. But a dummy was also created by Showstrom and would be flexible and made out of fiberglass and urethane with a matching wig. The entire team would build five fake televisions, each with a different function, one being created with a rubber membrane that a Freddy's head dummy would be pushed through. And afterwards, Robert England would substitute the dummy and utter his infamous line, which was created by England off the cuff with no script. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Oh, wait a minute,
1: bitches. And I know for a fact it's because A, Robert England is a fantastic actor, but B, he this is his third time playing Freddy, and I'm sure, like, I am in your mind, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that would explain my constant headaches.
1: <laughs> like, yes. I, I'm sure that he was just able to, that is, that is an excellent one-liner. It is the beginning of Freddy's one-liners that will be career of one-liners. God, uh, I love it. I love all of this. One of the TV sets also had the arms that pop out. Another of the TV sets was like an actual TV set. The amount of work that went into this one death scene is fantastic. Kevin Yeager would lead the charge on a giant Freddy snake. The ginormous puppet would run into a problem. Crew believed it looked
0: just a little
1: too phallic. To help mm-hmm. cover up the dick look, They would cover the puppet with green goo to hide the penis design. Huh? What do you want some dick? Yeah. That's what it looks like. I mean if an angry dick
0: so if you I mean, he already looks like a dick, to be honest. Ready? He's got the flesh tone of a penis if you were to create that in a phallic form it would immediately look like a giant dick which hey i'm not mad at but that would have been more than freddy 2 not freddy 3 <laughs> and so we had to like cover you it you just up couldn't redo.
1: help it with the
0: homo joke huh? <laughs> it's gonna happen all episode um <sighs> uh but then I, i'm not mad at this but i'm just like the the covering it in the dark goo Really took away from all the hard work that I feel like the team put into it because it, it really like mellowed everything out and kind of lost some of the detail. But I I understand. Had they left it as is, I feel like they would have got angry letters like from mothers, mean like I saw my kids watching a giant pianist eat Patricia Arquette.
1: I, I feel like it'd be. Do you remember the end of Austin Powers? Was it like that looks like a giant <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is the vibes. Uh, The prop would be essentially three different puppets that each did something different. One that attacked, one that swallowed Patricia Arquette, and one that was a full face animatronic, which is what I love because it gives me, okay, you know what, I'm gonna have to save it because I love that scene and I cannot wait to talk about it. Anyway, there was, sorry, can everybody tell how hyped I am for this episode? There was a giant circus that was running with this film, tension of a third film, many, many special effects, and the director wanting to change a vision of Freddy and push him into a new direction. The finale scene is a great example of this debauchery and insanity that ensued. The giant boiler room, which was filmed inside an abandoned warehouse, was incredibly hot with smoke effects, no ACs, special effects being used, and the fire department constantly threatening to close this production down. Things were constantly in flux, but this is kind of like... A Weinstein of- debacle? No! you let's not bring them up into this one. They're not here. This is the 80s. Things are fast, wild, you do it fucking cheap, you do it crazy, everybody's doing lines of coke, and I feel like that's oh just... Oh my god. The energy of this movie is like, it's just insanity, and that makes sense, because... The production was exactly like that. Jesus, you're
0: supposed to make things look dangerous, not have them actually be dangerous. <laughs> I I don't know if the shot was really worth putting everybody in danger and getting closed down by the fire department. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Like you said, it was the 80s, and like fuck it. Well, we're doing it live. We're doing it live, and they did it live. Shit, David Cronenberg had a baboon that should not have been on set. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. You make a point. Hey, it was the 80s, Bill. Things were wild. <laughs> Moving on to post-production. Uh, one of the best aspects of the film is the theme song that was released alongside of the movie. Because if you were any great 80s film, you had a fucking theme song that tied into your movie. That tied into a music video that tied into the movie that came out during the release. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. The theme song would be written and performed by heavy metal band, Dockin. <laughs> the single... would be a huge success and it also became the very first music video to be included on VHS and it became a platinum record hit I fucking
1: love this song I still jam out to it it is always on my Halloween playlist
0: heavy metal and and horror just go hand in hand it's also so 80s it's so 80s to have a song that ties into your film like Back to the Future does it, Lost Boys does it, Goonies does it. So many movies that came out during this time had a big song that ran throughout the movie.
1: For some reason, I didn't make that connection until right now. Thank you for
0: (laughs) for exposing that.
1: You are right, because Goonies got uh, Cyndi Lauper. Good enough, enough.
2: Goonies are good enough.
1: Back to the Future got what? Power Power of of Love.
0: Ghostbusters last got Ghostbusters. Last had, Bo- I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. you, if you were a big hit movies the '80s, you had a popular song at the time that was in the wow. top forty, yeah, or you top one hundred right. at least. Wow! And you know what's funny? All of those movies <laughs> <laughs> we've
2: covered. It- I fucking love this movie.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Lastly, for our fun facts, the cameo of Zsa Gabor would be an interesting one. Dick Cavett, whose talk show would be referenced and used in the film, got to pick who he would want to be murdered on his show. <laughs> Dick Cavett stated he handpicked Zsa Gabor personally due to him believing her to be the worst type of person and wanted to see her die on <laughs> <in>
2: the
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. I do not know much about... I don't know anything about Josh Jaguari, to be honest. I don't even know who Dick Cavett is. But... I don't even know what a Rolodex scene, is. <laughs> this scene... I love this scene in the movie. It just sticks out of my head. It's so ultra meta camp. Pop I love culture it. It's your
1: deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Listen, we have much to discuss, so let us get some HypnoCill, some popcorn, and we'll be right back after this message. Yeah, if you crush up the
0: HypnoCill, you can sprinkle it on your popcorn like salt. (gasps) Like cheese puffs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages.
1: Our movie opens with Kristen Parker building the house from Elm Street out of popsicle sticks and paper mache. She blasts her music, eats a spoonful of instant coffee, and chases it with a Diet Coke, clearly trying to fight her sleep. Her mother comes bursting in to scold her for the music and being up so late. Kristen explains that she was waiting for her to get home. Her mother tells her to go to bed now that she's home. She has a guest to tend to. Kristen lies down and almost immediately falls asleep. She awakens in Elm Street, right in front of the house she just built. Outside, a small girl on a tricycle greets her and leads her inside. Kristen follows a small girl into the boiler room, where she's frightened by the start of the furnace. She grabs a girl and begins to run away. She only makes it so far before she's stuck in a pit not able to move forward. Freddy catches up with her and lunges, but she manages to get free. She runs to the edge where she finds dozens of hanging corpses of children. The young girl begs to be put down, and when Kristen looks down, she realizes the little girl is now a skeleton. She screams and wakes from her nightmare. She stumbles over to the bathroom, reaches for the faucet, and when she does, the faucet grabs her back and holds her arm in place. Freddy appears from behind the bathroom mirror. He controls the other faucet, releasing his claws. He holds her arm still and then slices it with his razor fingers. The cut awakens Kristen from her nightmare. She's standing in her bathroom, holding a razor. She passes out when her mother discovers her.
0: What an opening. (laughs) Opening, I love... When we get like um kind of what not themed opening credits, but where there's something happening during the opening credits. And mm-hmm. we get these great close-up shots of Kristen building 1428 Elm Street out of popsicle sticks and paper mache. And it looks really good to be honest. It does like I could never.
1: Oh my god, I know the quality. I just also have to state, I know for a fact the beginning quote that has to be from Wes.
0: That has oh, yeah. to be
1: from West. I forgot. I didn't write that in here. Oh, it's good. Uh, The quote is from Edgar Allan Poe, and it states, Sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them. That is so Wes.
0: I love that quote, because, to be honest, I don't think I've ever talked about it. I really used to, like, hate going to sleep when I was a child. It used to terrify me that we would just lay there for eight hours in the dark doing nothing unconscious. Freaks me out. Like, I'd rather be doing, like, a as bad as it sounds. I'd rather be up like watching movies or reading or writing. Or Using my time. Doing... Honestly.
1: You are such a Capricorn. Holy shit. That is <laughs> the most Capricorn. That is wasted
0: time. I could have been doing. I've grown out of it. I realized I need my rest. But when I was younger, like I almost like, I think that's why I love the Nightmare on Elm Street series so much. Because I like low key identify with these kids. Like I used to hate going to sleep. It used to terrify me. Please hold on to that statement,
1: that exact statement that you just said. I Identify well with these kids, please, for the love of fucking God. Okay. But we get that montage scene. It's so 80s. The eating of the coffee grounds? I knew I was
0: waiting for it. (laughs) And she takes a spoonful of like Folgers and chases it with Diet Coke. (laughs) I am a texture person. No, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no. But her mom, can we talk about her mom? Her slut mother?
2: you think you are. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: Laid,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. jewels, pink LeMay dresses, hair is done, blue
0: eyeshadow. So you know she's a whore.
2: No, I, I don't even know why she would say
0: that. <laughs> no, I, the mother, I can't because it only gets worse as the movie yeah, progresses. Yeah, it does. Oh as my she God. She comes in, she doesn't care about her kids. She's only trying to get Nookie from this guy she brought home from the bar. Listen, I know mommy's got needs as well, but you also have children. Clearly, one who needs attention.
1: Mm mm. I read, but I like that. Is it weird that I like the just? Dis- <sighs> Recently, I read an article stating not everybody needs a tragic backstory. But listen, pe- this is how we identify. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> also, people sympathize more with the character that they see, especially you know, right off the
1: bat. Mm-hmm. I can identify with somebody who's doing well. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> <Same>. <laughs>
0: Uh, but we move
1: immediately into the dreamscape when she's told by her mom, I need I need to bone. Mommy
0: needs to bone. You need to go away now. Transported to Elm Street, where she sees the infamous Iconic. jumproping girls who are joined by a boy this time. Hello, queer. I they, see you.
1: Okay. You opened it up. You started it. Okay. Oh I'm just going to say God. that right now. And here we
0: go. He's going to say this movie's gay. Yay.
1: And I'm going to prove it. <laughs> this movie is for me, a better depiction of the queer identity overall than Two. I know Two is always regarded as the gayest horror movie ever made. I hear you, I see it, super gay. Gay, cis, male. This one more identifies for just the queer identity, the queer mm-hmm. community, POCs, mm-hmm. all of that is is here. And thank you for pointing out that it already starts beginning with having a little identi- a little boy with the two girls, and that's already playing with the already, already like, gendered roles that we've been playing with in this movie. Mm-hmm. It gets mm-hmm. better and better. It does. But why is her first instinct to pick up the little girl? Whatever.
0: I thought the same thing! I would've pushed her! <laughs> that's a creepy kid. Bye. She's in an abandoned house. It's dark. She's white. I would've kicked her and ran.
2: You need to leave!
0: But, um, can we talk about the dreamscape? We've been
1: in the dreamscape before. We've kind of done it in two. It's more, like, possession into one. There is some dreamscapes. How do you like it in this movie?
0: I love it because especially this opening one where she's trying to run and she's essentially like in a pit of tar and she can't move any further. And Freddie's gaining on her. That's very real. A lot of us have had that dream where you're running in place and you can't move. Yeah. You can't escape whatever's chasing you. That's very real. It's a very real like nightmare for a lot of us. So that's horrifying. And the more we kind of delve into the dreamscape of Nightmare 3, it just gets more elaborate and great. And I love it. I can't wait to get into it because I can see why they were saying the script. I'm sure even the first script was even more ambitious, but I feel like, like we both stated, this script that they went with was still really ambitious and they pulled off a lot of shit.
1: They pulled off amazing shit because it does get more elaborate and better from here. Um, We also get the first instance where... Of, like, this is some straight horror shit because Kristen immediately banks left and then she enters a giant warehouse of hanging children all by a noose. Yeah. And it is intense imagery for me. I know how you feel about the death of children. Go for you. Go, go, Jackie. I love it. (laughs) As
0: you fix your hair, you're so (laughs) evil. (laughs) Listen, they weren't real dead children, they were fake. Even then, that's some intense imagery. A whole bunch of people just hanging? That's a I lot I mean, what me. do you think the whole franchise was built on? Dead children. I'm not
1: saying you're wrong. I'm saying it's just an intense, you know what? I'm talking you to the be wrong shocked. girl. You I'm talking to the wrong girl. I want to ask as we as we push forward, how do you feel about Kristen as your final girl? Yeah, I'll use that title. Yeah, she is the final I- girl.
0: I love Christian. I love Christian. I love Patricia Arquette. It's an actress. I think she does great. Um, I think she does great uh, as well. And I love her quote superpower as we move along through the film.
1: She wakes up from the nightmare. And what we think is uh, she wakes up from the nightmare. And all of a sudden she's in the real world. And she goes to wash her hair, brush water in her face. I don't know. She goes to the bathroom. I don't know. Yeah. Go to, to the bathroom. And then the. I love the puppetry of the sinks becoming hands and then becoming claws
0: but this is i like this device because this is so freddie actually gets her he slices her wrist and which wakes her up and in the real world it looks like they made it seem like she tried to commit suicide by slicing her wrist which is what prompts her mother to send her to weston hills with all the other quote disturbed children
1: i also agree that i think it's a very good uh Story device uh, mm-hmm. I d- wasn't expecting it. they kind of play with this some more throughout Freddie's like mm-hmm. journey and I really like when Freddie really goes kind of goes there with like messing with like someone's past or like using what someone oh, has done oh well because
0: that's that's what he's best,
1: yeah, that is when he's best is when he's like psychologically fucking with somebody and this is just kind of like a sprinkling of that to begin. um I find it so interesting that you are also bringing up the suicide plotline because there's a lot of it in mm-hmm. this movie and i find that fascinating and we get to talk about it more as it moves along
0: we cut to weston hill's psychiatric like yeah, hospital and meet dr neil gordon making his rounds around the ward he greets his orderly max and says hi to a few patients he runs into dr elizabeth sims a co-worker who seems to rule with an iron fist Dr. Gordon expresses his concern with a new hire to the hospital. He says she has ulterior motives. Dr. Sims says she's done groundbreaking work in the world of night terrors. Their conversation is interrupted as their overhead page to the examination room where Kristen is being held. She was fine until they tried to sedate her. Kristen continues to scream, yell, and kick. She grabs a scalpel and cuts Max. Dr. Gordon tries to talk to her, but Kristen just starts reciting the Freddie nursery rhyme. Before she can finish it for herself, Nancy Thompson appears in the doorway to finish it for her. Nancy walks in and calms Kristen down. The mother of the house
1: of dreams, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Nightmares. (laughs) Uh, But we cut over to essentially the rest of the setting for this movie is the Weston Hill Psychiatric Hospital. We meet our cast of characters. We meet Dr. Neil Gordon, who for me is just kind of
0: there. He's just kind of like... The white guy who's there. You're not wrong. You're totally <laughs> right. Because he doesn't really figure anything out for himself. He's kind of helped by Nancy the entire time. So. He comes
1: in clutch later on, but it takes you a minute, man. Like any other white dude trying to help, like, <laughs> anybody, you know what I mean? They're doing um, their best. We also meet Dr. Elizabeth Sims. Jesus, bitch on wheels. What's her name? Nurse Ratchet. You want her to be Lana, but imagine if they did a remake and Sarah Paulson played her. Ah, oh, I, I mean, would live. I mean, I know she means well, but she's horrible. To, to, to me, she is the the system. I'm gonna get so mad. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get so nerdy with this. I'm sorry, everybody, but she is the white system that is constantly thinking that they're aiding BIPOC and queer communities, but what they're doing is actually extremely harmful. And Mm -hmm. she is the worst. She really is. And she's
0: a bitch. Yes,
1: she is a bitch.
0: (laughs) B-I-C-T-H. Dr. Gordon is threatened by another female colleague. So he's trying to say, like, I don't think we need another person here. But when Nancy pulls through, after, uh, after uh, Nancy comes in and helps Will, you know what I mean. Nancy comes in and helps with Kristen during her, while she's getting checked in. She's freaking out, man, because they try to sedate her. And this is a great reveal. Oh, An iconic reveal. God. Like, hello, let's have her come in and finish the nursery rhyme. Looking From hair floor to
1: ceiling. Head to toe, nothing is out of place. She's an icon. She She's is the us. mother I never had. She's the best friend <laughs> that anybody could ask for. Everything she wears in this movie from here on out is beautiful. Like I took a note on every single oh, outfit because I was living. Who's living? Me. Nancy's living, but not for long. And oh! it's- <laughs> I love it. The streak in her hair looks great. She looks so good. What a great character reveal. Uh, but we get to meet the great cast of kids at this, in this area, in this hospital, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, Kid Cade, Jennifer, Joey, we meet all of them. And I thoroughly enjoy these characters. They're kind of my favorite, most distinctive cast of characters uh, outside of the original trilogy, the, the mm-hmm. original in the, in the whole series.
0: I agree. I see. I can't even remember what's this place's name from the second movie, Jesse? He, eh, Jesse and name? Meryl <laughs> Street. you took the <tickle> words <laughs> out of my mouth I was going to say Meryl Street. Nah. so like aside from Nancy and oh, sorry, I can't even remember everybody's name in the first one but they're they, those are core characters so this is the first time I agree that we're getting characters but fully like kind of fleshed out flaws and on um, backstories so we get you know a story beat we can sympathize which is why I think we like these characters so much
1: you mentioned earlier that you uh, you really like these characters because you kind of like identify with these characters. And that's what I mean by this being like a queer found family type of thing. Because you are right. We do get like different little, little bits and pieces about everybody's backstory. But essentially everybody across the board is kind of like an outcast in some way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's so cool about this movie is that they gave the outcasts a chance to be the heroes for a second in this horror movie, and that's awesome. Outside, Dr. Gordon and Nancy get acquainted, and he shares what's been going on with the current group of kids he's working with. He explains that they all suffer from different ailments of sleep, from bedwetting to sleepwalking. But the common thread is that they seem to have some sort of group delusion of a boogeyman. The kids will do anything to stay awake. When Nancy gets up to leave, she drops her bottle of hypnocell, which Neil notices. As they part ways, Neil notices a nun dressed all in white who vanishes as quickly as she appears. Religion.
0: Horrifying. (laughs) I like this. I like this because it sounds real. This is grounded in reality of these kids being sent to the psychiatric hospital, all of them suffering from different ailments of sleep, but all of them having the same common thread of this group delusion as they call in the movie of a boogeyman. This is great. This is great writing in my opinion. What really bothers me is that when Nancy drops her pill bottle, he straight up grabs it, reads the label, reads the milligram dosage, the expiration date, her doctor's phone number, and then hands it to her. Homie, that's rude. What's your social?
1: What are the last four in your credit card number? Seriously. Okay, Hypnosil. Is this, I believe this is the beginning of the infamous Hypnosil.
0: And Weston Hills, because this, like you said, this is a running theme throughout the franchise, and it goes all the way through to Freddy versus Jason. That's great. I love it. I love, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love f- it. I love connections. I love creating a whole, yeah, creating a whole universe within your movie world where things are referenced and used. It's very Tarantino. I think
1: it's an excellent device, the hypno cell. It's it's stupid enough to work.
0: It is. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the spooky nun dressed in all white she scares me i'm not gonna lie she's first of all we've discussed my fear of organized religion on this podcast mm-hmm. before i f-ing hate organized religion especially catholicism they have horrifying imagery horrifying the next day max is giving nancy a tour of the facilities and introducing her to the patients First up is Philip in Kincaid's room. Philip suffers from sleepwalking and likes to make puppets. Kincaid likes to run his mouth, which gets him thrown in the quiet room. The duo continue the tour and we get a glimpse of Joey, a silent but sweet patient who seems to have a crush on one of the nurses. We join Nancy who's trying to get some useful information out of Kristen's mom, but she seems to think that this is just Kristen trying to get some attention. Nancy goes up to Kristen's room to get her things and when she does, she sees the house Kristen has been building. Back with Dr. Gordon, he's doing research on his state-of-the-art Macintosh desktop computer. He's found out what <laughs> hypnosal treats. We get to meet
1: the rest of the, the cast, Philip, Kincaid. We also get to meet uh, Joey, who I'm not going to lie, I watched this super young. I, had, I thought he was super cute. As like a young teen. I was like, oh. Adorable
0: with his little uh, teardrop tattoo. I should get a teardrop tattoo. It's it's not meant to be real in the movie, right? Because it's not there for the entire movie. Does he draw it on? It's only in that opening shot and that's it. I just blew your mind. You didn't even realize. No. Wow. The next time you see him, it's gone. You don't ever see it again for the rest of I the I just movie. always assumed it was always there. No, it's not. You see it once and you never see it again. Did anybody else pick up on this? Y'all well, let looks me know. Like
1: I need to go. I
0: applaud. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> roll, 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 just roll the credits. It's fine. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, I legitimately never noticed. I legitimately yeah, never noticed. I
0: noticed because I was like, oh, that's a cute tattoo. And then it's just gone. I thought it was there the whole time because
1: I think he was supposed to be like a kid for the Bronx side of the tracks.
0: Right, the little white boy, I'm sure. Back at
1: Weston Hills, Kristen is laying in bed in her room when a tricycle makes its way inside. It begins to melt as it sits. And When Kristen runs to leave, she finds herself back in the Elm Street house. She begins to explore the dilapidated home when she's frightened by the ground shaking and something moving within the walls. Finally, Freddy appears in snake form. He begins to eat Kristen from the feet up as she screams in terror. We cut to Nancy in her home, and she begins to hear Kristen's scream for help coming from the papier-mâché house. She confiscated from Kristen's room. She stumbles back as if to sleep, and she falls through the chair and into Kristen's dream. Nancy picks up a shard of broken mirror from the floor and stabs the succubus Freddy in the eye. He drops Kristen and then realizes it's Nancy. They run behind the door and close it. Nancy orders Kristen to wake up. She does so just in time as Freddy breaks through the door. Nancy wakes up frightened and notices a bloody cut on her hand the icons coming together holy shit we finally get Freddy.
0: category is icons icons to the dance floor everybody
1: okay 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 just a quick note i love that tricycle i love that it's in camera and i love that it melts i don't know how they did it and i don't want to know how they did it because that's cool
0: that is really cool. That is really cool. And it's giving me Saw vibes. I can't ever look at a tricycle and not ever think about Saw anymore.
1: I was thinking of The Omen
0: or The Shining. Saw for you, Damien. So, falls asleep, is immediately thrust into the dream world where Freddy just, like, starts going in on this bitch. Because then she goes, she's back at in Elm Street, right? In Elm Street House, yeah. hmm And this part is so cool because this is like a part we've never seen of Elm Street, of the house, where it's just like a hallway with like dilapidating decaying walls, and then through the walls you can see something kind of spinning around here and chasing and it's coming up through the ground and everything's just shaking and moving and cracking and ugh. and the way that it comes you know what it gives me it gives me tremors the way it comes up from right beneath you her be Reba. and picks her up by her feet and just like comes straight up and then just like <laughs> pops down like a big old schlong it is great
1: <laughs> i hate you so much <laughs> it, but you are correct the dream sequences in this movie just upped the ante it is fantastic we're seeing stuff we've never seen normally in the dreamscape so whenever we had them it was like the boiler room Mm -hmm. like it really wasn't Mm -hmm. much else outside of that room but now we're really cracking this world open and the phallic worm thing. What do you want some dick? Terrifying. Terrifying. And she's using this new idea of dream powers. We don't know what it is just yet, but she pulls Nancy into her dream. Do you know how much that blew my mind
0: when I saw it for the first time? That's so dope. That's something like every kid wish they could do.
1: I think that's why I like this movie so much in the weirdest, most up way. This movie gives me a never ending story. Goonies. Mm-hmm. but darker does
0: that make sense no it makes total sense like I said no and then yeah it makes total sense it makes total sense. It, like I said, this is like it. This came out like in the height of the eighties, and all these films being kind of like labyrinth. Yeah, but like even though it's horrifying and frightening, it's got this touch of fantasy to it, which just kind of heightens it even more. It's not just nightmare inducing; it's fantastical at the same time.
1: I think that I think that's exactly it. I think you hit like the nail on the head uh, because she pulls Nancy in. Nancy is like what the fuck is happening i thought i dealt with this shit in a high
0: pony okay and she gets her own close up i love that shot because it it zooms in it pushes in into nancy and she goes Oh my god. Like, she's horrified to see Freddy again. She thought she'd never have to see him again. And here she is face to face with phallic Freddy.
1: What it is, is her reaction. And immediately, Freddy knows it's her as well. And that giant face just goes, You. It's so simple. So strong. It's so... Good. It literally, for me, is what I imagined the Avengers feel like for people. <laughs> Ew, Michelle. I'll never know. I'll, I'll never, never know. know. <laughs> but for me, it's like, oh, icon faces icon. And this is like, oh, it's good. I
0: think the Avengers for us would be like if Michael, Jason, Freddy, Chucky, and Babadook, and Pennywise <laughs> no. all banded together to like fight the devil himself.
1: I'd be down. I would put money down on that right now. Nancy
0: goes into attack mode. She's she's a final f-ing girl. She wasted. She didn't miss a beat. She picked, she saw the broken glass. She got she knew where to give it to him straight in the eye. Ow. And then she runs because that's what you're supposed to do. You don't stick around and wait. You impale them just enough to get them down and you f-ing book it. They her mind, it. Sis. They hide behind some like random door, and she tells Kristen to wake up, to wake up and I'll release him from the dream. Because what she does, because she's fucking genius and she's done this shit before. The next day at Weston Hills, Nancy tells Kristen that she used to live in that house. Kristen explains that it's just the house she dreams about. Nancy asks if Kristen has ever pulled anyone else into her dreams before. She says only when she was little. She used to bring her dad into her dreams when she was scared. After her parents got divorced, she thought she imagined the whole thing. They meet up with the rest of the ward in a group meeting. Nancy gets to meet the rest of the patients. There's Joey, who used to be a master debater, but now he doesn't speak. Taryn, who shoots up drugs with low lives. Will, who jumped off a building. And Jennifer, the wannabe actress who likes to put cigarettes on herself. Dr. Sims thinks she has all these kids figured out that their night terrors stem from their guilt. Later that night, Joey, Taryn, and Will finish up their Dungeons and Dragons game before Max comes in for lights out. When Max leaves, the boys argue over who takes first watch. After that's settled, Will reminds Joey that if he whimpers just once to wake him up, Joey nods that he understands. Let's go to group, everybody. Yes, I've had to do a group meeting. They're not fun.
1: (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) It's a quick beat for me. And I kind of like that it's a quick beat. We We don't spend too much time here. But I like implicating that all of these kids' gifts. Began way before Freddy does that make sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I think it's really neat I think their gifts and I think oh, here we go we're gonna keep diving into this the reason why we connect with these characters so much is because in, in my opinion from what I gathered from the script in the movie is that they develop these gifts while dealing with some sort of traumatic experience in their lives mm-hmm. and so you know stemming from these horrible traumatic experience they got this like, great special gift that's why
1: I think that's why everybody just can connect to at least somebody in this whole group. And I really, really enjoy that. Like, I legitimately love these kids. I think they're all very well acted. Um, With the few things that we do get with them, I think it's enough. It was, uh, most horror movies don't even give us this much information about our characters.
0: Honestly... I feel like with a lot of modern day horror movies, we get these really disposable movie characters Mm -hmm. or these archetypes or these shells of characters without much, you know, backstory or any substance for that matter. They're really just another, you know, body for the kill count, which is... (laughs) Sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. Is that that? I think that's why the deaths in this movie you, you feel for them because they all genuinely care about each other in this group, which I think uh-huh. also adds a nice sense of realism to the movie. You mentioned all of these kids unfortunately have like quote unquote traumatic uh, upbringings or, or lives um, that we know from this group. Mm-hmm. That's why this movie is so good at being a gay movie because they're outcasts, they're the queers, they're the outsiders, and it's especially true when Dr. Sims states that their dreams are byproducts of guilt, psychological scars stemming from moral conflicts and overt sexuality. She called them queers.
0: Am I gay? <laughs> <laughs> and then Kincaid rebuttals with a great line of, I forgot what he says exactly, but great, now my dick is one killing. I mean... It's true.
1: It's the, it's the white authoritative person telling queers to be ashamed of themselves. That is what this scene is. You ought to be ashamed. We meet Nancy and Neil having dinner and drinks at the local Thai restaurant. They discuss the patients and what their next step should be. Nancy tries to be subtle, but Neil straight out asks, You want me to prescribe them Hypnosil, an experimental psychoactive drug? Give it to suicidal teens? He says he won't do it, and Nancy looks defeated. Back at the hospital, Philip is having a nightmare. Freddy has taken form in one of Philip's puppets before taking human form. He slashes at Philip's wrists and ankles and uses his veins as strings to puppeteer him to the top floor of the hospital. Joey wakes up the entire floor to watch, and the entire group watches in horror as Freddy maneuvers Philip to the edge before cutting off his strings.
0: What's with? Nancy and Dr. Gordon going on this romantic dinner. I don't know. I don't know. She's essentially this meeting is to get him to prescribe hypnosil uh, to the kids. And he's like, I won't stand for this. That's a psychoactive drug. These are suicidal teens. He makes a valid point. He it makes does. A very valid point about giving psychoactive drugs to kids. However, if you would have flashed forward to present day, they are doing tests on psych drugs to help with suicide and depression and shit like that. So it's just crazy to see how far we've come. And oh, I know.
1: Well, it's been 40 years. I was about
0: to say I'm what, 40 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. So i we've moved some sometimes and learn some things. I just don't like that. It takes him forever. I understand why it takes him forever. But like after the kid's second death, he didn't like.
0: Yeah. But then if you also think about it, when he does prescribe them hypnocells, shit really hits the fan. So it doesn't really get any better.
1: You know what? Nobody works out in this. But let's cut to the puppet death. Freddy is so damn scary when he does shit like this.
0: I love when we change mediums for Freddy. He can come at me in like 2D paper, (laughs) papier-mâché. He can do uh, puppetry, claymation, stop motion, video games, TV, Freddy. I will take any iteration of Freddy as long as there's a zinger in there. But this is great. I, I just wish we would've got a little more time with Puppet Freddy, but I understand, like I'm sure it took a long fucking time just to like produce what we did get. Thank you, animate what we did get.
1: The design of Philip being strung along oh. by his veins as he's like crying. Mm. Yeah. This, this, d- Freddy is still terrifying here. Freddy was extremely terrifying in one. Like, hello, the ceiling death alone still is ingrained in my brain.
0: The long arms in the alleyway.
1: Johnny Depp's giant, like, blood gushing death. Like, Freddy has iconic deaths, and the dreamscape is able, lets you play with that. This mm-hmm. kind of ups the ante because now we're sleepwalking. So when mm-hmm. Philip is just sleepwalking all along the, 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 the ward, no one thinks otherwise. Even Kincaid, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. And then adding another layer of the theme that's going to keep playing in this movie is suicide and making it look like Philip is committing suicide. Whole other level of terrifying.
0: Freddy is terrifying when he does that. The next morning, they have a group meeting to discuss how everyone is feeling after Philip's death. Dr. Sims refuses to listen to anything the kids say and sends Kincaid to the quiet room. Dr. Gordon states that he's going to prescribe all of them hypnosil. Dr. Sims is appalled and states that if anything goes wrong, she'll be sure he's held fully responsible. Later that night, Max makes his rounds and finds Jennifer in the TV room. He attempts to turn it off, but she begs him not to. She says, I can't handle the nightmare. Not tonight. Not after Philip. He lets her stay. We get a quick cutaway of an orderly tempting Taryn with the keys to the pharmacy, but she doesn't want any part in it. Back in the TV room, Jennifer has reverted back to her old ways as she picks up a cigarette butt out of the ashtray, lights it, and puts it out on her arm. She continues mindlessly channel surfing and stops on a TV interview with Zsa Zsa Gabor. The interviewer suddenly turns into Freddy and slashes her and the TV goes out. Jennifer gets up to fix it when Freddy's arms and head sprout out from the TV, grab her and push her head first into the TV screen. The next day at her funeral, Dr. Gordon has a ghostly interaction with the creepy white nun we saw earlier. Later that night, Dr. confesses to Nancy that all he wanted to do was help the kids at Weston Hills, and he's desperate to try anything. Once again, it's group, everybody. Can
1: we just mention, I'm going to keep saying this is a fucking queer movie, everybody. Why do we always start with only straight talk in here, okay, guys? Only straight talk in this room. That's only straight talk. That is Homa. Phobic. I said it I'll say it again. Move,
0: I'm gay. We're baiting.
1: Suicide is mentioned a lot. I don't like that they keep reverting to suicide as like up quit. Philip let Philip oh, let us down. Yeah. But yes, it, it is. Yes. I don't like the way that they talk about it in that that way. Um, I I feel like yes. it's a little dangerous. Given the time period, they were trying to do something.
0: Yes. And so they yes, they use the wrong terminology they definitely victim blamed and we can see now in hindsight all the things that are done horribly wrong but at the time this was something very groundbreaking and something great for horror and something new and actually addressing issues that were very prevalent at the time so yeah while the subject of suicide is handled recklessly um it's still to be noted that like this is pretty groundbreaking for the time
1: I did. De- yes. 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 And Dr. Sims also just continuously keeps stating that, like, how long will you go on explaining your dreams for your weakness? Like,
0: I don't like her. She's definitely the doctor with no bedside manner, for sure. Like, they just put out, like, medical terms that you and expect you to know, like, why don't you know what this is? Bitch, does it look like I went to medical school for seven years? That's why the fuck I'm paying you. For me, it is very much uh, just. Anytime the
1: community tries to state what we're going through, what we're experiencing, and we're told that we're making it up or that it doesn't exist or that our gender or the way that we feel doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. it resonates and it resonates it resonates really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Glad we got to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Look, she's crying. Do you hear her crying? Like
1: we care. I don't
0: give a... We get a quick cutaway of Taryn being disgustingly tempted by this gross orderly who's trying to like coaxed her into coming to the pharmacy with him to do drugs and i'm sure you know he wanted something else so it's gross i'm glad she like tells him to go fuck himself or whatever Mm -hmm. and then we cut to probably my favorite scene in this entire movie this kill is so fucking creative this Mm -hmm. kill is such a commentary on pop culture and media consumption of the time and how people were just mindlessly watching hours and hours of tv because this is at the time when tv had kind of 24-hour programming back in the day the tv would stop airing like at midnight you'd get the little scream these days you had tv going off hours this is very much commentary on that the technicality and ingenuity and the practicality of these effects just like are sky high sky high like I can't even. They don't even do this shit nowadays, and I really wish they would go back to the old school way of doing special effects this way. Because this kill is fucking amazing. The zinger is chef's kiss. I love this kill. Even her scream.
1: I even like Jennifer's scream. We had this this line as her our opener for season, season one. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's so fun to sit like just actually talk about the line that we t- we have for the theme song. Um, the acting, the the special effects. That line, that's it. They also don't make TVs like this anymore. I can't break through my flat screen like that. Like that yeah. was the actual glass for that screen. So yeah. sick, Zsa, Zsa Gabor getting it. What about it? Like get, just cause the pop culture reference or just yeah, it's funny, it's I,
0: hilarious. I couldn't tell you who Zsa Zsa Gabor is or why she's famous or anything of the nature. To me growing up though, flipping through the channels and seeing a famous movie star being interviewed that's totally something you would see on TV and just the fact that she thinks she's still awake and that she's watching TV she doesn't realize she's dozed off and so when he's (laughs) I don't know. Maybe because of the first time I ever saw it, I wasn't expecting it. So it just sticks out in my head. Because you really think that she's just watching TV and this stupid interview is going on about bullshit you don't care about. Because that's typically what happens.
1: Can I ask you a question? Who gives a what you think?
0: (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And then you just see his hand and you hear the ah, And then it cuts.
1: I love the way that the arms come out, his head coming out, and the... This is it Jennifer, your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. And then the screen, and then the crash, and just the imagery of just her like hanging out of the TV screen. Wow, that was so
2: powerful.
0: (laughs) Academy Award. (laughs) It's solidified in horror movie history, and it made a cameo in the in the many Freddy mazes that we've had at Horror Nights and this TV scene was part of them. We had a little wiggly body that was hanging out on TV. It was great.
1: Icon, icon status. The next day at the hospital, they hold a private group meeting without Dr. Sims. Nancy gains the trust of the teens by telling them her truth and their own truth about Freddy's past and how they're the last of the Elm Street kids. She explains that Kristen is their secret weapon. She's got a very special gift that Nancy has never seen before. Dr. Gordon puts the entire group under hypnosis. At first, they think the hypnosis was a failure, but Joey sneaks out of the room and follows Nurse Hot Pants down the hall. Back in the room, the group begins to realize that they're in fact dreaming. Will can walk, Kincaid is super strong, Kristen can do cartwheels, and Taryn, well, Taryn is beautiful and bad. <laughs> Back down, the hall nurse has revealed herself to be Freddy and has tied Joey to a bed over a pit to hell. The rest of the group gets wind of Joey and Peril and attempt to leave the room. Only it's been transformed into a giant boiler and they can't escape. Suddenly, the doors open and Dr. Sims interrupts the session waking everyone from their dreams, except Joey, who is now in a coma.
0: Joey's in a coma. Woo.
1: Joey's in a coma.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is great. I love this. I love... Straight talk only in this room. Ugh, stop saying that.
1: Listen, everybody. I know that we're gay, but only straight talk in this room, okay?
0: Mass for mass only, y'all. Uh. <laughs> so, how do you feel about about Nancy and her gaining the trust of the teens by telling them her truth and essentially explaining them their own truth? It makes
1: sense that it's Nancy. It would only be Nancy. She is the only one. I love this scene this scene is probably my favorite in the whole movie funny enough because i still love the death i still love everything else but this is the most fantasy like out of the whole movie for me Mm -hmm. nancy is fantastic she leads the charge of course of course they trust nancy who wouldn't trust nancy it's the line you are the last of the elm street children that alone that title sick sick So that's how they're all able to have these powers. I think it's great. I love the hypnosis thing. I love the... What is that? A pendulum? What's that?
0: Yeah, I don't really know what they're called. I
1: I apologize, everybody. I don't know what that terminology is. But the thing that swings back and forth that puts them underneath the hypnosis. What is your opinion on hypnosis?
0: I'm wishy-washy. I don't really believe... But I also don't trust. Like I wouldn't want anybody to put me under. So. Spoken like
1: a true Mexican.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't believe, but I'm also not gonna fuck with it. So, <laughs> take that for what you will. What about you? Same. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I respect it. Like if that's your yeah. thing, get your life, girl. Right. That's not for me. Don't touch me. Don't fuck with my mind. My mind's already fucked enough. I want it. I want it. I want to try
1: it, but I'm scared. I'm, try. You know? I'm, try. I'm curious. Anyway, I set that to every one of my experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. I love it. Um, It's totally the community meeting. I hate to say it, and I'm sorry. I don't know if this is going to hurt anybody or anything or anything that's going on a mother figure that is capable of taking care of the community or someone leading the charge and showing the community that this is a safe space. This is my vulnerability. We're going to be vulnerable together. And that for me is what Nancy is. She is the mother of the house of nightmares. How do you (laughs) feel about it?
0: I love this. I love Nancy coming forward and explaining, but she tells these kids about what she's gone through and how she's battled Freddie herself and how she was able to overcome. And she kind of, Like you said, she brings this wisdom with her and she leads the charge against the patriarchy. I mean, Freddy. How do you feel about all of the kids' superpowers? Superpowers. I would take, hmm, Terrence for sure, because she's beautiful and
1: bad. Listen, that line is horrible, but she sold it.
0: (laughs) She's beautiful.
1: She is. She's so stunning. Love it. Kincaid being super strong. I feel like that totally makes sense. He, like he's always... It was also cheesy. <laughs> I, I think it's funny. Kristen's is cheesy. The man in the wig that did the backflips for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me every time.
0: That was really Patricia Arquette. She could really do cartwheels, backflips, whatever they you were. You
1: need to stop taking cell because that was not <laughs> Patricia Arquette. She's going through a rough time in her life, okay? I love the Wizard Master. I think it's so cute. I think it's adorable. I, I really like this. This is the most, like I said, the most fantasy because the, the trigger, quote unquote, that lets everybody knows that like it's the dreamscape is those. Ba- I don't know what those things are called. The swinging balls that are on office desks.
0: <laughs> you have to be more specific than that, Jackie. I see a lot of swinging balls on desks. <laughs> I'm just kidding! I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they suddenly start to float, and he can control them. It's so labyrinth. It's so
1: like Jim Henson. So
0: and so can walk, and that's how they realize they're all dreamy.
1: I love it. It's so cute, and then it goes to shit.
0: Yeah, because Joey's a purver, and he tries to go get it on with Nurse Hot Pants, who really turns out to be Freddie.
1: Originally, the this Nurse Hot Pants. The original design was gonna be Freddy's face with the rest of her body exposing her breasts, but they quickly realized this is disturbing. So they-
0: I wish, I wish they would've. I would've
1: loved it. I would've loved it. They need to bring it up for Halloween Horror Nights. I'd be so excited. Oh, bitch. Hilarious, especially the tongue part.
0: That part kills me. Yeah. But the pit of death. I love this evil Freddy nurse hybrid. Because it's still her in the face, but she's got this evil look and she can shoot tongues that are essentially like handcuffs to tie him to the bed. Oh, And I love that he's still a mute like this entire time. Like you can't hear him scream or anything.
1: Originally, the poor actor who played Joey. That So the way they shot that, it looks like he's laying down, but he was actually standing up. And they had his arms up, like held by those tongues Ooh. for so long that he passed out. No way. He cut off the circulation. There was no blood flow. So he passed
0: out. Holy shit, that sucks. When I say this production was rough. At the hospital where Joey's being held, Nancy and Neil are fired from Weston Hills. As Dr. Gordon cleans out his office, he sees the creepy white nun roaming the closed part of the hospital. He follows her over where she gives him the backstory of Freddie, how that wing of the hospital used to be home to the criminally insane. And one night, the patients managed to kidnap a nurse. They kept her hidden for several days when she was raped and with child. Back at the hospital with Joey, Freddie sends Nancy a message via Joey's body. Come and get him, bitch. Nancy teams back up with Neil, who tells her about the nun and the backstory she gave on Freddie. Nancy explains that she didn't know all that and that, she's, and that the only person who knows more about him is her father. <gasps> they meet Lieutenant Thompson at the bar where he's getting shit-faced. She tells him that he's killing again. And she needs to know where his bones are buried so that they can finally end this. He doesn't believe her and he doesn't apply. After a phone call from the hospital by Taryn begging for Dr. Gordon and Nancy's help, Neil walks over to Thompson to shake him up in a force and to help him find Freddy. Thompson drives Neil to an old auto-savage yard and the final resting place of one Fred Krueger. But not until a quick pit stop at the church for some holy water and a stolen crucifix.
1: Uh, but Nancy and Neil? Neil, Dr. Gordon. End up getting fired. Kind of rightfully so yeah kids have been dying under your care and uh now there's a kid in a coma
0: and they prescribed them psychoactive drugs to suicidal teens without permission listen i understand that like in the movie world this makes sense to you because they're trying to help save these kids Mm -hmm. But from an outsider's perspective, this is insane. You're doing what? No, you're fired. You're getting your license provoked, like instantly. Revoked, not provoked. Oh,
2: brother, this guy stinks!
0: (laughs) Shut
1: up. I did well on my SATs. Uh, From here, once uh, Dr. Gordon is packing up essentially his office, because you're fired, uh, we get this backstory how do you feel about it
0: no i want to hear your thoughts before anything because i know how you i feel like you have a weird spot about like rapey you i know you don't like rape revenge movies already so i want to hear your thoughts on them integrating rape into freddie's backstory
1: i'm very conflicted because you already know how I feel about the subject of like rape in any type of horror movie. It instantly puts me off, and I don't want to watch it. And in this instance, I still don't like it, especially the way that it's handled. How uh, a, a nun was held there over a holiday weekend, and all of a sudden she was she was raped by uh, by a hundred men, and all of this other stuff. It is just so lathered and coated in eighties misogyny and. This idea that it'll heighten his story and for me, it yeah it doesn't you could have just said he was a child murderer. Why did it have to be because he's a child of rape He's evil. That within and itself mm-hmm. is an implication that is horrible. And mm-hmm. it's you see what I mean like it's it doesn't it's 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 nasty and it's the biggest part yeah. of like Kruger's backstory that I don't like that they added on to because it becomes the thing in the fourth movie. And Mm -hmm. in the fifth movie, Mm -hmm. we kind of hinted to it later on.
0: It's definitely like reiterated later on in the series again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I agree. It was, I feel like it was added in there just to be shocking. And they really threw around the subject of mental health and suicide and rape. Very like heavy handedly and freely throughout this script. Like it was no big deal. Not to, like, give it a pass. This was an entire completely different time. This was 40 years ago. So, you know, things of this nature weren't handled as delicately as they should have been. But I agree. Like, this this rape storyline does nothing for Freddy's backstory. I think he was already terrifying as it was. And to tack on this rape storyline that involves a nun and criminally insane... People is just kind of out of left field.
1: It's left field and shocking just to be shocking's sake. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what is so like
0: wild about
1: it. Cause now this would never fly nowadays. Holy shit.
0: Oh shit. No. Yeah. This you would throw this... around heavy terms like rape and suicide and just get away with it.
1: Exactly. So that's what's so interesting about this. But we can't say it's a pass but it's already been made. It was made in 1987. So like, I really don't know what to tell you. Those are those are my opinions on it. And I feel like everybody kind of knew that was gonna happen because it usually happens anytime this subject comes forward and I get on my, my Apple box.
0: Moving on from that, from his backstory, we go back to Nancy who's at the hospital with Joey and Freddie sends her a very cryptic message. Uh, what? Via, what do you think it means? Joey's, <laughs> via Joey's torso.
1: I love how Freely Freddie loves to use the word bitch. That's
0: how see, you know, Freddie's queer.
1: Gay. Freddie's uh, gay. F- Freddie's he's gay.
0: gay. <laughs> <laughs> he's gay,
1: dad. He's gay.
0: <laughs> and then Nancy and Dr. Neal team back up. They go meet uh, Lieutenant Thompson, who is Nancy's dad. He's still hot as shit, getting shit-faced. Oh, at the my bar. God. The main takeaway is that he's, like, become a
1: drunk because of everything that's happened with Kruger. All of these kids' deaths are on his hands. Essentially, I said it. I'll say it again. So I I like this turn of events from where they began in the very first movie. Because when they began in the first movie, he still didn't believe his daughter, but like... Mm -hmm. There was more of like an understanding of the daughter-father type of relationship. Like, you know, they still loved each other. And this one, their relationship is completely different. And I think that's an interesting turn. We don't need the same thing all the time. Nancy manages to make her way back into the hospital and holds one last group meeting with the remaining patients. Nancy leads the group into hypnosis. They meet Kristen in the quiet room to save her. When they do, Freddy begins hacking through the padded walls. Suddenly, Kristen wakes up in her room, just like the beginning of the movie. Only the mom's date is Freddie. He hacks off her head and comes for Kristen. She manages to give him the slip and jump out her bedroom window back into the Elm Street house. Next up, Taryn finds herself walking down a seedy alley. Freddie approaches her with syringe fingers. Her track marks open up their mouths as if begging for drugs. Freddie stabs his syringes into Taryn, stating, Ah, what a rush. (laughs) Next up is Will. Freddie tortures him with the wheelchair that he's bound to. Will tries to fight back with his Dungeons and Dragons magic, but Freddy picks him up and stabs him, Michael Myers style. Nancy finally catches up with Kristen, and Kincaid shortly joins afterwards. Kincaid grows cocky and taunts Freddy, calling him out. When he does, Freddy offers them a door that leads them down into the depths. The trio take the bait.
0: When they all go into the group hypnosis, they say they're going to meet up with kristen in the padded room which they do and when they get there freddie immediately finds them starts hacking through the walls and pulls essentially pulls kristen away from everybody else because that's what you want to do you want to separate them they're stronger together
1: if you play dungeons and dragons you'll know this
0: and oh my god and then all of a sudden we're back at the beginning of the movie which is dope i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting to jump all the way back to the beginning of the movie and she's freaked out she's like what the fuck was that all a dream and then that's when freddie pops out I said, where's the the fucking bourbon? (laughs) Uh, Hacks off the mom's head. The
1: mom still, still, even in a dream, is horrible. You should listen to your mother. God damn it, Christian, you ruin everything. Every time we bring a man over, you spoil it. You're just like your father. (laughs) And then Kristen does some Power Rangers acrobatics.
0: Honestly, (laughs) was she like a child acrobatics or what? And then from there, we meet Taryn back at her old stompy grounds, Uh. going down the alley, looking for her next fix. This is some pretty fucked up shit. This is where we start talking about where Freddie messes with your, your backstory, your trauma, your skeletons in the closet, if you will. And this is so gross because Mm -hmm. first of all, the imagery of Freddie with syringe fingers is amazing. And then second, the imagery of her scars opening back up and they really do like these effects are sick those They're little disgusting. scars really took like little mouths going like just gasping for heroin or whatever it looked like antifreeze to be honest whatever it was in those syringes well it's a
1: dream yeah
0: well we like to have fun <laughs> 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 and, uh, <laughs> i love that he just like gives it to her and then it's, it's uh. kind of gross because then he goes oh
1: what a rush it's intense. It's so intense. This is a PSA. If I ever saw a PSA, th- this
0: they should have had Freddie do like dare commercials or PSAs. That would have been dope. She also gives the line of
1: "Okay, asshole, let's dance."
0: <laughs> that she, and then
1: she turns it going for for the kill. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's intense, and it it's fucking
0: horror at horror's best, to be honest. But this is also where like. Taryn specifically really juggles the camp horror aspect beautifully because yeah, she gives the uh, yes. line of, yes. I'm beautiful and bad. bad. And then we get this line of, let's dance. And before she, like, essentially fights her trauma with these needles and addiction, it's insane.
1: It is insane. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up that strange dichotomy of both having that campy ass levels of these lines, these costumes, this setting, by the way, this alley set horrifying, horrifying and beautiful. At the same time, this dreamscape has like these neon reds and blues and greens. It's sick. I love it. Mm -hmm. Only how only in horror would you find this level of camp and terrifying. Honestly, (laughs) they, they walk that line so well. We meet up with Will, the wizard master, who's haunted by his wheelchair. We also learn in the beginning of the movie that he's in a wheelchair because he attempted suicide. And it's Mm -hmm. probably because of the dreams that Freddy was doing. And that's why he's in this wheelchair, which is just a terrifying thing. And then Freddy fucks with him about it. Yeah,
0: because he comes and haunts him with this wheelchair. Wheelchair looks dope, by the way. It looks like some weird BDSM torture chair. It's
1: ginormous. Apparently, the original one that they built was too big for the hallway that they shot down. So they had to figure whatever.
0: Ow, it's never too big.
1: I like and don't like this death because Will is killed by a stab and then that's it. And I think it's just a cause stab. I, I think it's just cause I really like Will. I think it's adorable. I like the dungeon master stuff.
0: But... Honestly, it would have taken less than a stab to take that scrawny little boy down. Uh... I could have fucking pushed him down. He would have punctured an artery. <laughs> Stop! Stop! He's already dead. Oh, and his line is
1: of Lorak, Prince of Elves, demon be gone! <laughs> Nerd! Firebolt! Firebolt!
0: <laughs> this is probably one of the, like, out of the entire film, probably one of the lackluster deaths. Because
1: it's so quick.
0: Yeah, it's very, like, it's too real. Everybody else has these fantastical deaths, and his is just like, oh, I got stabbed. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, I'm gone. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They get, then the group finally meets back up together,
0: and we do get Kincaid. Hey,
1: Freddie, where are you hiding, you burnt face pussy?
0: Oh my god, the uh, that just Kincaid's uh, rant about Freddie just reeks of toxic masculinity and projecting. Like I kind of like what closeted queers project out to to feel comfortable around other straight men. Need I rest my case about this movie being gay? <laughs> I, we're going full in on the gay, y'all. If y'all have not re- We're a full homo in this episode. Everything is gay. <laughs> Everything is gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be our new shtick for the pod, is <laughs> we're gonna discuss how every single movie we watch is gay. Everything, every single movie has been gay Yay! Back at the salvage yard, Lieutenant Thompson shows Dr. Gordon where the remains of Kruger lie in the trunk of an old salvaged Buick. Back with the trio, they make their way into Freddy's lair and find Joey tied up over the pits of hell. Nancy begs for Freddy to let him go. So he does, one strap at a time. Nancy runs down to save Joey before he falls to his death. She gets to him just in the nick of time. Kristen and Kincaid run to help, but Freddy ends up getting Kincaid in a chokehold. While he threatens them, Freddy realizes that his remains are being messed with. He leaves the dream world to possess his skeleton and fight off the doctor and lieutenant. Freddy manages to kill Lieutenant Thompson and render Dr. Gordon unconscious. He tosses them in the grave that they dug for the remains and he tosses some dirt on him before returning to the dream world. Back in the dream world, the survivors attempt to escape when they find themselves in a hall of mirrors, all being snatched up by Freddy. Joey being the only one not pulled into the mirror uses the power of his voice to shatter all of the mirrors and bring everyone back. Nancy exclaims that, He's gone. It's over. Nancy sees the ghost of her dad. He apologizes and makes nice with his daughter, only for it to be revealed to be Freddy. He stabs Nancy and tosses her aside. Kruger grabs Kristen and attempts to finish her too, but Nancy jumps up and uses Freddy's knife hand against him. Back at the salvage yard, Dr. Gordon has come too. He makes his way out of the grave and is able to bless the remains with holy water and a crucifix, ultimately banishing Kruger to the underworld. Back in the dream world, Kristen mourns the death of Nancy.
2: I fucking love this movie. Nancy. Not my
1: Nancy. The salvage yard with Lieutenant and Dr. Gordon, they find the remains of Kruger. I think it's Mm -hmm. super sick. I think it looks like Christine a
0: little too close to me, but I also think any old car that's red looks like Christine. No, 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 no. I thought the exact same thing when I watched it. I was like, oh. They buried him in Christine. This is a John Carpenter reference. This is a Stephen King reference. I don't know. Maybe it was a little Easter egg. Who knows? But I thought the same thing. It
1: is to me. <laughs> I think it's super sick. I can see why people love this, this setting. Uh, but back in the dream world, the trio are making the Rady Freddy's Lair. And I, I, I love this set. I love the dream world, the lighting, the smoke, the weird pipes, the pits, the the lava, whatever the hell it is. Whatever this all is,
0: is what I imagine to be every villain's lair. It's sick. And I love it, like, if you set it in the dream world, it doesn't really have to, like, make sense. sense. It doesn't have to be a particular world it just nothing has to make sense like when like when freddie throws someone out the window and they end up back in the elm street house it makes sense because it's in the fucking dream world anything can happen
1: it's sick nancy of course wanting to help be the total badass that she is tries to go in and get joey who's falling to his death kristen does some more backflips kincaid fucks up freddie there's a fight that avengers this is Avengers shit this is my (laughs) avengers okay and they also exclaim, well, Nancy does, that he's never been so strong. And it's because it's the soul of the children gives me strength. Oh, yeah. And Freddie rips off his iconic sweater and you just get the faces of all the Elm Street children screaming mm. for help on his chest.
0: Really cool effects. And he's claiming that all of the souls, he's, he sucked the souls out of all the, oh, children, the children on Elm Street. Um, We're going to the lives
1: blood. of the little children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is how he's grown so strong. This is great. I love it. It's what keeps me young. That's why I hate children so much. Oh. oh, But before that, Freddy goes back to his skeleton because <laughs> Dr. Gordon's fucking with it. And we go full army of darkness here where the skeleton comes to life and starts fighting. First of all, it kills Lieutenant Thompson. So, so fast. to Flockhart kills Lieutenant Thompson and then goes for Dr. Gordon and then takes down Dr. Gordon, shoves him in the grave, semi-buries him, and then goes back to the dream world to finish off the kids. He dies too fast for me. He finally... he I mean, he was drunk. Is that
1: true? It's very true. While all of this is happening, of course, the dream warriors are over there fighting Kruger in this sick hallway of mirrors as they all get pulled into the different mirrors. How do you feel about the sequence?
0: This is so cool. This is totally... This is all new for like the Freddy franchise. Of, I mean, granted, they're in the dream world, so anything can happen, but this whole pulling into the mirrors thing in a hallway full of mirrors is really cool and really horrifying it's terrifying um it just gives me like haunted house vibes of <sighs> like the false mirrors Ugh. and them either like opening up or them like where the light turns on behind and there's something behind it yeah um it gives me those kind of vibes but then this is where so everybody gets snatched up freddie comes through all the mirrors snatches everybody up and pulls them through except for joey who's cowering in the corner who then decides to like belt out this heavy metal shriek that breaks all the mirrors and brings everybody back
1: i love it his dream power being his voice Uh, uh, i'm crying false ending though everybody's like yeah evil is dead it's over over." it it kills me though that nancy was so quick to be like oh my dad's dead that's fun (laughs) she
0: was like I think our relationship has gotten as good as it's gonna get.
1: Goodbye. It's the heaven's light of Bill Saxton coming down, just like in the cloud of glitter. Freddie is hilarious. <laughs> this is ghost?
0: Where's Patrick Swayze? <gasps>
1: it's so ghost. Where's Whoopi?
0: <laughs> Nancy, you in danger, girl. <clears throat> Freddie is so dramatic. We know this. You've been knowing this. Freddie is one for the drama, mama.
1: But they did something that when I first watched it, I didn't think was on the table. But it's the proof of trilogies. We talked about Randy in the very first episode, and we talked about trilogies, and I love that we actually get to apply it here. This movie does everything that Randy talked about. We reference something that happened at the very beginning that nobody Mm -hmm. knew about. All the rules that you believed happened changed. There's now powers. Children can bring each other into each other's dreams. Everything is up for Mm -hmm. grabs. And even the main heroine, can die.
0: Sorry, Sid. This means you. Sorry, Nancy. This means you. And she got it.
1: How do you feel about it?
0: I like this ending. <laughs> I love this. This is a great ending. Nancy had to die. I, she kind of did, I, but I love that she got to come back and help the last of the Elm Street kids before she did. I
1: do too. It's it's kind of heartbreaking to see her die she gets she gets the claws straight into the chest multiple times and even with her last breath as she's trying to help these children she still manages to fuck freddie up she still uses his claw against him because that's what nancy mm-hmm. does because she is a real one
0: final girl through and through
1: and we finally get with All of the fighting going on, Dr. Gordon finally ends up coming to his senses, throwing the skeleton that's in the fucking grave, throwing the holy water, doing the cross, praying for these kids and all this other shit. And we get Freddy's death. How do you feel about Freddy's death?
0: You know, it's not Freddy's death. I know. Everyone knows this is not Freddy's death. I know. No, but that's how I feel about it. Watching it. Like, even if I was there watching this in 1987, I would have been like, Freddy's not dead. You can't kill Freddy. This is like Michael. This is like Jason. You can't kill them so i don't really buy freddy's death but in the movie and to these characters they want him to be dead they want this all to be done with so for that i'll give it a pass
1: it feels like freddy is dead if nancy is dead does that make sense because i feel like these two are kind of intertwined in this like if we were to just like put this in the movie in its own little spot however we are Mm -hmm. talking about trilogies so if this is the end of the trilogy he's dead okay like in this three-parter he's dead.
0: Freddie's death.
1: I think it's really pretty. Holy shit, is it pretty? The beams of light coming out of him, the cross coming out of his forehead, and him just like fucking imploding in on himself. Mm-hmm. Sick. It's a really sick Freddie death because we've seen some lame ass Freddie deaths.
0: Uh, yeah. This is great. This is a great death. This is a great quote. Death to Freddie.
1: At Nancy's funeral, Doctor Gordon sees a creepy white nun again. He follows her behind some mausoleum to discover her grave. The nun was Freddie's mother. Later that night, as Dr. Gordon sleeps, we pan over and see Nancy's dream doll next to Kristen's model of the Elm Street house. The lights inside the house turn on, and our movie ends. With the dream warriors, don't want to dream no more. Kincaid says it, by the way, in the padded room. He says, uh, don't want to dream no more. Don't want to dream no more. And they took oh, that really? and put it in the song. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Because they asked for the script from Craven, so they used some of those script lyrics, uh, lines inside of the song.
0: Oh, I like that. That's thoughtful. Right? Creepy White Nun oh! makes another cameo. Creepy White Nun is creepy. She's, creeping because, she's creepy because she's Freddie's mother. <laughs> She'll do anything for
1: you. I'm trying to remember how I felt about it the first time. I think the first time I might have...
0: so long. Can you remember? Shade.
1: Uh, the way that I feel about the... the Ooh, M. Night Shyamalan surprise twist ending. I don't care. I... <laughs> like, for me, it doesn't do much, kind of. And I don't know why.
0: And I think it's mainly just yeah. because I don't like that story beat. So I'm just like, close it. You're like, I didn't want this in the beginning. So let's just let's close it around.
1: Yeah, up. let's just close that on that. How do you feel about it?
0: Yeah. It's there. I, I. I. It's. It's okay. It's okay. I think that's why I don't like. It. I don't care. You we're gonna push this nun rape storyline. I guess having her turn out to be Freddy's mother was a was a pretty good gag. I don't know. I don't know. It's. It's there. It happened. Right? It's part of history. It's part of the franchise. Unfortunately, this is what they added to it. The only way that this whole nun storyline added anything for me was in the fact that i already have my own psyche that doesn't like the whole imagery religion aspect and imagery of of religion so that already creeps me out so inherently nuns and religion are just creepy to me so it kind of works in the storyline anybody who's not scared of religion this is not going to do anything for you
1: True. Sure. i yes you said it Those are the words. (laughs) We're here at the end of the movie. We finally can press stop, rewind. I want to know, what are we giving this week's flick? What are your final scores for a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors?
0: Obviously, this is my second favorite to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Great characters, great storyline, great special effects, great music. Uh, Gonna buy it. Buy it. Buy it. If we haven't sung this movie's praises enough through this episode, I can't say it enough. It really, really, really does walk this great fine line of camp and horror. And really, this is what got the ground this is what got the ball rolling for Freddy isms and the one-liners. So buy it if you've never seen it, rent it.
1: What a beautiful send up I'm gonna buy it. What the fuck? Have you not been listening to me this whole episode? I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it multiple yes. times. I'm gonna get copies. I'm gonna give it to my friends. I do make my friends watch this movie. If you couldn't tell, I have a, a, a huge connection to this movie. I love it through and through, even with what I deem as like sour parts of the movie with the whole mm-hmm. Amanda Kruger mm-hmm. storyline. Even with all of that, and even with like its mishandling of a lot of like dark subjects, I think it's an excellent 80s slasher slocky yes. delicious horrifying time. Um, I want to know, what are your feelings overall? Because this is the last one in our movie, in our lineup. How do you feel overall about trilogies? And where does this one line up for you in it?
0: I feel like we don't get we don't get trilogies anymore. We get far more than trilogies. We get five, seven, eight nine movies deep into a franchise i can't even i don't know what to call that i miss the days of like trilogies hello star wars the original trilogy godfather
1: lord of the rings
0: so i'm just saying like old school trilogies used to be like a really good story arc there was a beginning there was a middle and there was an end and i kind of miss that i kind of miss that like book closing, ending chapter on a trilogy, there's not going to be any more of this. I miss that. Nowadays, everything's so goddamn fucking open-ended. Anything could be rehashed even 40 fucking years later. As much as I love the rehashing of like Scream and Chucky and uh, Halloween, it's kind of tiring (laughs) at the same time. Um, So I miss trilogies. And had this just been... book end of freddy that would have been pretty solid but what the sequels spawned after this trilogy was just so much campy goodness that i i can't disregard the rest of the series
1: yes 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 uh for me trilogies all around i don't have the deepest sentiment with you for trilogies in terms of like I do love when movies have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Another one that comes to mind is the Batman trilogy, the new one with Christopher Nolan. Uh, those mm, to me ooh, are... Back to the future. Are back to the Future. Those ones are excellent ideas of no, they know where they wanted to go, and they know where they wanted to stop. This, Nightmare on Elm Street, did not know where they were going, did not know where they were going to stop. And that's evident in... Did not know how to stop. Did not know how to stop. And that's very evident within the iterations that it's had. But if I just consider Nightmare 1, 2, and 3, I think this is a being excellent close ending cap whatever you want to call it we bring back the original yes i know how everybody feels about two i love to i don't care what anybody says yeah i i do like trilogies and i do miss them but i do like iterations i do like new ideas brought to like old stuff i do believe that nightmare is overdue for something for something a reimagining a, re- a, 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 a spinoff, or a requel. That is just my opinion. Because, yes, I do understand you're getting tired from these things, but
0: sometimes I like going back and revisiting these things. You can't. We can't. We already tried to bring back Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. and bring back somebody else to play Freddy. Mm-hmm. And nobody can do Freddy like Robert England. I'm sorry.
1: You're right. You're totally right. I wanna see an old Freddy. That's what I want to see. I know we're, we keep doing old Michael Myers, old Leatherface, come on. An old Freddy wanting just one last chance to kill kids. Are you kidding me?
0: I, show me a trailer, <laughs> Give me a, a tra- show me a treatment. Show me a, an outline, a skeleton, and, and we'll talk. My last question for you, and
1: I promise I'm done with this. Do you agree with me on the queer connection in this movie?
0: Yes, I agree. I agree that this is a a queer coded movie, whether it was intentional or not. And just by us saying that this movie is queer makes Makes it it fucking queer, Sorry.
2: You look so good.
0: So it is what it is. If you want to disagree, we will get your own fucking podcast and say that
1: it's not (laughs) queer, bitch. Thank you. I just needed that validation. (sighs) Okay. A new month means a new theme. It's time to pack your backpack and run to class. The Carpenter Queens are heading into September with a themed month of back to school. Time to talk the movies with a school theme plot or setting. Our first homework assignment is the 1998 Kevin Williamson, Robert Rodriguez led the faculty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh (laughs) my yes, yes. Elijah Wood, Usher, Josh Hartnett, that lady from X-Men. We are going
0: back to school, y'all. Fuck! has it been a long time for us? <laughs> We're ready. We're ready. I got those back to school feels where you get butterflies in your stomach. You got pick out your outfit for the first day of school. You got to make sure your hair is perfectly blocked for those pictures. We are ready. Carpenter Queens are going back to school, y'all.
1: I'm so excited for this theme. The movies that are lined up for this month
0: Closing our episode, you can follow The Queens on Instagram at The Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens Noza. My personal account is at STFU Ray. And my
1: personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, everybody. Happy first premiere month, everybody.
0: Woo! That was our three week, three uh, trilogy premiere. Right, right. Three movies. She can do that. Sure. Thank you! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, season three with the bang so much fun thank you everybody I can't wait for the rest of the season stay safe stay clear until next episode y'all
2: bye 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 bye, 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 bye. bye, bye, bye.